everyone. Colin Egglesfield here, and welcome to a special European edition of Coffee with Colin. My name is Colin Egglesfield, and we are doing this special edition of Coffee with Colin to accommodate our European viewers who don't necessarily get the opportunity to watch Coffee with Colin live because when we air in Europe, it is two o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the morning. So my today, uh, my guest today, she is an amazing life coach and performance coach. She's based in Belgium and uh, wanted to have her on the show to share with you a lot of her insight and knowledge with regards to how to perform at your top level, with regards to personal and professional things that you're up to in life. And uh, I've worked with her now for a few months and she is incredible. I can't wait to share with you all the things that I've been learning from her and uh, the things that she's been helping me create, including my Inspire Summit that I am launching on May 23rd. This is an incredible day of motivational speakers and insight, uh, meditation, yoga. It is going to be a great day for you guys to be able to just jump in and be a part of the Inspire community. And uh, you're going to learn a ton of great things. These uh, motivational speakers that I have on this day are my personal friends and people that I've worked with. And my guest today on Coffee with Colin is actually going to be one of the speakers at the summit. The summit is going to be from 1130 to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. It is six hours of just awesome, amazing community where uh, you're going to gain a lot of uh, insight with regards to how to just live your best life. So our tickets are available now. You can go to my Instagram bio and my Facebook page. We'll be uh, posting over the next few weeks about what is exactly in the uh, in the summit, how you can participate, and all the great things that you can expect to get out of it. Uh, again, wanted to say that our episode today is sponsored by Picticular. For those of you who watched the Oscars last night, a lot of great movies. If you're looking to find out where you can watch all those great Oscar movies, all you got to do is download the Picticular app, and it will be able to show you exactly where and how to watch each of these movies. Because when you see a movie that you like and you want to watch it, a lot of the times you have to go to either Netflix or Apple or Amazon. You don't necessarily know where exactly to watch the things that you want to be watching. Or if you have a favorite actor and you want to watch where their shows or their movies are, all you got to do is go to Picticular, type in an actor's name, and boom, all of their projects are right there. You can just click on it and see exactly where you can watch their shows, including mine. And uh, we've got already quite a few people joining us here. We've got Zulema. We have Nadine. Uh, again, I'm excited for you guys to be able to be here today. We've got Amy Krause. Welcome. And uh, again, today we are doing our special European edition of Coffee with Colin. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my, my next guest here. She is, a again, a professional life coach. And she helps professional performers to thrive on the highest level and claim the life of their dreams. And she's been doing just that for me. And I'm excited to be having this conversation with her. Without further ado, please welcome to the stage, Miss Kathy Spaz. How are you doing, Hi. Kathy? Good evening in Belgium. <laughs> That's right. So seven o'clock in Belgium, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for taking the time to uh, to join us. And my audience is excited that you're here. Can't wait to uh, to dive in and start asking you some questions. 
I know some of my audience members have some great questions that they want to be uh, asking you. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, you're obviously from Belgium. Uh, would you mind sharing where you, you know what your background is and how you got to become the life coach that you are? Yeah, well, the background is actually a whole different path because I grew up in horses. I was a show jumper for all my life. And then um, at one point I noticed that, you know, I couldn't get any further in life. You know, I had reached my limit for, you know, being the person that I was at that point. And that really frustrated me. So I got a little bit down with riding and I, I really lost my passion because I the pressure was so high and I put so much pressure on myself especially that I completely lost interest and that was really not so great for me since I had been working on that my entire life so I yeah, it was a brave move but I, I took an entire different um, direction at that point started to educate myself on communication, on coaching, on um, all these things, especially high sensitivity, because that was the thing that when I um, experienced my personal burnout, um, I, I noticed that being high sensitive was such a big trigger in my life. You know, it had really put my life upside down a few times. And it was only by getting stronger in those abilities that mm -hmm. I started to notice what else was possible. Because when you would have asked me 10 years ago, you know, what are you good at? What are your talents? I would, people did ask me that. And I was thinking, oh gosh, I, I really, really honestly don't know. You know, I'm not good enough at the horse riding part. And, yeah. you know, that I can feel horses really well, but yeah, so what? You know, people love their dog. They can sense their dog really well. That is that a talent, you know? And then I really, really didn't know what, what I was good at. And then at one point I started to grow in my own personal life. And then I started to grow in my professional life. And then I started to see a lot of those talents and I started to experience for myself because I was high sensitive and I, I got to be in my full power and in my own strength that I could really use those assets to become the best coach that I could be. And I could really diversify myself. Is that a word? Yeah. I could really separate myself from, from others because, you know, I would hear things that no one else would hear. I would see things that, you know, you, you wouldn't even have to show me or explain me. And I would pick it up because that's our quality. Once you step into the greatness of being high sensitive. But you know, it's um, just really quickly interrupt you uh, so that we can kind of get an idea of what, what you mean by high sensitive. What does that exactly mean? Because that's a term that uh, some people may know about and some people may not know about. Yeah, so being high sensitive means that you actually have the right part of your brain being more active. So that means the creative part, um, figuring out solutions really well, being able to feel what other people feel, the empathy, all those, the creativity, that's why I work with artists because 
and, and not a lot of people know this about themselves, but a lot of artists are high sensitive because, you know, they have this creative talent gift that they sh that they are sharing with the world, but they don't know the downside of it. And often, you know, it can really suck them into this negative spiral like I experienced when I was under a lot of pressure and in the spotlight on my own mm -hmm. journey. But it can also mean, you know, physically that you can be more sensitive in your senses. And emotionally, definitely, you know, you can pick up a lot more emotions than other people do. So that's really, really cool, but it can really, like people say in Belgium, it can suck you empty. Is that, you know, is that allowed to say? <laughs> it can really drain Such, your energy. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I have to be careful sometimes <laughs> with those expressions. Because... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it can really drain. Was, uh, um, there's a, a motivational coach, his name is Jim Quick. And he talks about the difference between an introvert and an extrovert is that similar to what he describes as if an introvert, an introvert essentially with, let's say, five golden coins. And he, they've got to be very selective about how they go throughout their day. Because as they go throughout their day, they essentially are giving away their golden coins. Whereas an extrovert wakes up with no coins. And as they go out through the day and interact with people, they get more of these golden coins just by talking with people. So as an introvert, this is something that I recognize that if I, if I interact too much with people, if I am around places that are too noisy, too loud, too much stimulation, it's almost too overwhelming where it, it can zap my energy level. So I would imagine this is what you're talking about with regards to high sensitivity. And part of it to be able to perform at the highest level when you are when that, that's your personality type or your sensitivity type yeah you know what what the cool part is if we look at the numbers in the world with, with all people we know that 30 percent of all people are extroverted and 70 no 30% are introverted and 70% are extroverted you know just if we're just narrow it, narrowing it down to those two. But with high sensitive people, it's exactly the opposite. Around 70 of, of us is introverted while 30% is extroverted. But I can honestly really recognize both. So I am someone who can, you know, really take a step back and really be happy being alone or with my animals or just spend some time recharging my battery in nature, being quiet by myself. But to be honest, if I wouldn't have the thrills and the challenges from meeting other people and speaking in front of groups and you know training with people, that that would also not work for me. So you can also be a high sensation seeker. You can also be extroverted, so it can charge you. But being high sensitive, mm -hmm. the downside is that yes, it gives you energy to do those things, but it's costing you because your brain is having that deeper processing and it is still costing you more energy. So for us, it's important that we integrate these little moments after those big events, for example, that we integrate some uh, time that we can recuperate, that we can really come back to ourselves and recharge yeah. those batteries, that we can take some time for our brain to you know subconsciously process 
what has been going on. Yeah. It's, you discovered this essentially as a competitive horse jumper. Is that what you were doing? Jumper yeah. or Jumping. <laughs> yeah. I do notice when you were competing, you would would you say that your nerves would got the best of you where you would just kind of lock up a little bit and you knew that you were performing at the level that you knew you were capable of, right? Oh, definitely. When I was a child, you know, and I had no I had no limiting beliefs at that point because I was just starting and I was growing really fast. So I was, I think, 13, 14 when I started riding internationally. Yeah. And yeah. I was thriving, you know, my first international show I did on the highest level. And I was uh, second in the Grand Tour and I was third in the Grand Prix. So that's like amazing for your first international show with the pony, which is still the ponies. But it was it was really big with a pony who never had done it either. So it was our first time together. So I was thriving. But then, um, in my case, my father was really competitive as well. And he wanted me to be the best version of me. So he put a lot of pressure on me. And being high sensitive, we tend to take things really personal. And we reflect that on our, our identity. And we don't always do that consciously. But... It does happen behind the scenes. And that made for me that, you know, I always got frustrated while warming up. And then we had a fight and I got stress. And when I went into the ring, the stress had taken over completely. And I would always do like this one or two stupid things that you say, how, how is that possible? You know, the whole ride was perfect. And there something would like block and I wouldn't be able to turn that off. And it took me a very long time to figure out how I could change those patterns by really focusing more on my process and not not riding from the place where I had to perform and where I had to succeed but coming really and even when I was training I really had to work on this that I was riding with joy again and with fun and that it was always good no matter what the result and that made that, you know, the last few years when I would go back to ride international, it hasn't been often since, you know, I had a child and everything. But before that, I was riding international again. And it went actually better than ever. But it didn't even matter what the results were because I was having so much fun. But because I was having so much fun, the results were amazing. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's what we're doing as well, you know, just having that fun again and creating that vibe where you can really shine as, as your best as your best self, not because you have to, but because you want to. And that's yeah. why this is so much fun. <laughs> and Sarah Wallace here says something I think is, is very relevant. She says, unfortunately, there's a negative connotation to be highly sensitive, although it speaks loudly of emotional intelligence. Uh, I, I think there is definitely a little stigma of uh, you know, when people say like, well, this is too much. Or, like, it, it, there's, we know how to take care of ourselves. We know what we need. But unfortunately, sometimes I think that we don't want to be in a certain situation or we just don't like the people who are in the room. So it can come across as we just don't like the people that we are interacting with. And it really has nothing to do with the people. It's just, the actual stimulus that is happening that we're 
can be overwhelming. So what is it that you, what is it that you actually would say to someone who is sensitive with uh, to creating these boundaries? Um, a friend of mine, Chris Cody, asks, how do you create these healthy boundaries to be able to protect yourself if you are high sensitive, yet you still want to be able to interact and engage with people and be a part of the community and also implement some of that self-care? Yeah, that's, that's for us the most difficult part because we are such people pleasers and our brain is also programmed to first think about the community about the social aspect and to see how that would you know work out for everyone else and that's why often high sensitive people or hsp would put themselves last and that's why it's so difficult and i see a lot of my clients in the beginning when we start working together mm -hmm. they really they really struggle by doing this because they get the feeling that when they have to set boundaries that you know, people won't like them anymore. Or people, you know, people will think this or this or that about them, or they will be arrogant or this or that. And I'll, I'll tell you this example about Justin, this client I was working with, and he, he had this issue with his entourage. You know, you have management, you have agents, you have everyone pulling and pushing you in certain directions and deciding who he had to be, what he had to do which made him lose all sense of feeling with himself. You know, he completely lost connection with himself. And he didn't even know what he wanted in his career anymore because he just lost that feeling. And when he discovered that he could set those boundaries from a space of softness and love and, you know, still be good enough, that just really changed his entire world because it didn't just work better for him, but it also made him get, you know, more assignments that were really aligned with who he wanted to be and, and what he wanted to achieve uh, as an artist. So that was not just for him a better success, but his whole, his entire entourage also benefited from that. But it just, it does ask from you as a person first to really step into your own space and to see that, you know, you are still good enough, even if you set that boundary. And that it's just, you know, from a place of love for yourself in the first place that you can set the boundary, but you can also do that from a place of love for the other person. And when you start integrating that consciously in the process, you will see that it that it's a lot easier because, you know, originally we think that by setting a boundary, we are selling someone else short. But when you do this from a place of love and you are really setting, it's like with children, you know, if you, you have to set boundaries just because you love them, even though it's hard sometimes, but when you do it with, from a place of love, you don't have to get angry or you don't have to become this monster mom or whatever. You can just, you know, set those boundaries, be strict about it. And the more you stand your ground in those boundaries and know this is what it is, you know, this is how it will be. And you, you shine that love through. That's just, 
so much easier for everyone in the process. So Pam Graffmiller is asking, how do you set boundaries without coming off mean? Yeah, that's like an amazing question, Pam. Um, what I do is I always think first, okay, if that person was me and I had to tell her this, this or that, how would I want to hear that? You know, if you have to tell someone off, you know, to, to make it more extreme, you know, how would I want to hear that myself? And if you can, you know, redirect the script of your conversation in a way that, you know, you would also be comfortable to receive that news, then it, uh, for me, I always say to my clients, then it's always okay. And even if the other person is offended or whatever, that's okay because you did your thing from a place of love. You really checked in what you think would be the highest frequency of what you could do, you know, the, the most beautiful way to put this without giving away your own power, of course. And then it's just fine because sometimes people need that confrontation to be able to grow themselves. But being high sensitive, we often think that we have to help them grow or do it in their place, which is never possible. So you are actually enabling them to step into their own greatness and to become more conscious about themselves by doing that and by giving them the space to deal with it. Mm. from a place of love. Yeah, I've always learned from people who uh, who have set boundaries for themselves. As much as maybe I didn't, it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to hear. When someone sets a healthy boundary, it makes me respect them more. And then it makes me think about then how I can work with this person. Or if I, if I do want to interact with this person, then... When I do interact with that person, I know it's coming from a place of, uh, of it, it makes me want to work more with that person because I know that they respect themselves enough to want to set those healthy boundaries. And, uh, and then it also teaches me that, you know what, that's how I want to be perceived. And so when you do set these healthy boundaries, you actually teach people how to do the same for themselves, especially with kids because Kids obviously listen and watch, and uh, they learn more by just watching how you interact in certain situations um, than by teaching. Uh, but I think there's a really good question here. This is from Tatiana Indyak, and she asked, uh, well, she said she can relate on so many levels to what you're saying, Kathy. And she says she was once criticized by her manager for being too empathetic toward people. So is it important, like, especially when you're working with a boss who may be not as sensitive as you, is it important to, to tell your employer or the people that you work with that you are of the more high sensitive nature and this is how you operate or how do you have a conversation without coming across as being someone who's too high maintenance? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's really well put. And that's exactly the reason why, I wouldn't even have that discussion. If I would talk to my superior, it would be more like, you know what? This is my talent. Why don't you use it? Because 
you, you can start explaining why, you know, because they will see it as weak, but let's be very, very honest here. The leaders of today and tomorrow are the empathic leaders. And that's exactly the reason why we need to stand up in our, in our greatness. But it's not always easy because in the current system, there are still a lot of old school leaders who are more in the, yeah, the, the hierarchy system. You know, you just have to do what you're told and don't be talking to people and yeah, I would just see how can I use this talent without, you know, setting him off, for example, or how can I integrate this on a way that it's still feeling good for me, but mm -hmm. that I can maybe respect what he's telling me. Never, ever change who you are. And because this is just one of the beautiful things that you possess in life. So I would definitely say I will not comply. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm a little rebel like that, maybe. But yeah, I just, I think that's too important. You can never lose yourself in the process, ever. Yeah, no, I think it's one of the things that uh, one of my first acting teachers taught me, and this is what I talk about all the time, is just to honor yourself, honor who you are. And the more that you can authentically share with who you are interacting with, you know what your needs are and and what's important to you, and the, the way in the way in which you just show up in life. Uh, the people that respect you and love you and want to be your friends, they'll stick around. The people that have a problem with the way in which you you talk about what you are, what you're, the way in which you would like to do something, if they have a problem, with it, then they're not your friends and you don't need them anyway. I guess exactly. that comes into play when it's family members who <laughs> who may have uh, a different way you know, they look at life, and, and that's when it's important to have those kinds of conversations. Where you know, say, look, look, if you really care about me, if you if you know, if you truly love me, you've got to understand that we are different. And just because you may look at the world this way, this is how I look at the world. And if we really want to get along uh, and, uh, and, and be able to coexist, um, it's important that we be able to respect each other. We don't have to always agree in the way in which we look at life, but it's all about agreeing to respect the world, our differences. And I think that healthy conversation is needed, but I think it's not always easy because a lot of people don't like, or they perceive that kind of conversation as confrontational. So how, what advice would you give to someone who is perceiving a conversation as confrontational? What would you, what advice would you give them um, to go into that type of a conversation knowing that they are going to have to potentially come up against someone who has a difference of opinion on what they, uh, what that other person thinks about a certain situation? I think that that's, a great question that everyone will definitely encounter in daily life. But I think that there is something underneath that. I think it's never about the one conversation. It's always about, you know, people are like mirrors. We are mirroring each other's beliefs. And if something is confronting for me, then I know that the thing that the person in front of me said is triggering me. 
because there is this certain belief, a lot of the times it, it has to do with self-confidence, but there is this certain belief that, you know, I'm not good enough or this person is better than me or, you know, uh, am, you know, am I worthy or whatever it is. But when you truly, and I mean like deeply, profoundly believe in yourself and believe that you are good enough and that you can really own your space without having to take up anyone else's space, but really from, from a place of, you know, there, there is enough, enough for me, enough for everyone. And when you can really do that and really step into your self-confidence, then you will grow to this person who can just take up that space, have that conversation and have it not affect you because you know that whatever they say has nothing to do with you as a person. But it's a lot of the times it's not so easy for us because yeah, we, we, you know, we have this deeper way of processing information. And by doing that, we make small things more important and more present in our life, which can make them a bigger thing. And that's why when I give a, a, a lecture or something, I always say, um, you know, the expression, I don't know if this is a, an English expression, but we have this expression from, you know, making a mosquito into an elephant. And that means like making this little thing into this big thing. And that's something that I think was invented for us because that's just a little bit how our brain works. But once you have programmed it to really believe and trust in yourself, there is no need to fear those conversations anymore because there is space for your opinion and there is also space for the other person's opinion, even if it's not what you want. So that's just, coming from a whole different place. And I, I remember working with this certain Courtney and she was really struggling with her self-confidence. And this came from a place of self-love and she had a lot of trouble with her siblings. And while we were working together, she really started to fall in love with herself. Mm -hmm again and she was able to get a lot more fun and joy in life and laugh again and really be herself again that you know the people around her were saying wow you know I don't even recognize you anymore and she was feeling like herself as a little kid again you know who was just able to be and have fun and laugh and just be this this little girl who can just do the things she loves and be the person she wants to be without always be conflicted in her own mind. And that's, that's what I think is underneath here, because once you, once you work on that part, you will see that all, all the other things will just fall into place. You, I don't even have those conversations in my life anymore. And if I do, it's, it's something really small or really from, from short a short period of time and then it just passes because it's not a thing anymore for me it's not reflecting my beliefs anymore I have new situations reflecting these beliefs which are a lot nicer of course and that's why that's so important so Paula is asking is there something you could advise to a person who has a high level of synesthesia 
how to perform and interact with the audience while they don't experience the world the same way as synesthetes do. Are you familiar with synesthesia? I have no idea. I'm literally looking it up. <laughs> it is, uh, it's, some people experience their, sense, their senses um, in a magnified way. So like if someone, someone is like tasting a glass of wine, they can actually hear the wine. They can, it's almost as if like they can sense it with all of their senses. So they don't, it almost can become so overwhelming because all of their senses get triggered just from looking at something. They can, it, uh, I believe that is what the, uh, the, uh, the definition of synesthesia is. Just incredibly high sensitive with all senses. And then what is the question regarding that? So it looks like she's asking, uh, is there something you can advise to a person who has a high level of synesthesia? So Yeah, yeah, I can. Because um, for me, my senses that are most sensitive are um, noise and my skin. I smell really good, but I've worked with this Belgium actress once and she really suffered from, from her smelling because she she said, um, I can't even be on the train anymore because I smell everything. When I give a workshop on um, how to speak in front of an audience, she said, I can smell their anxiety. So that's, that, you know, that's really awful. I don't, I don't have that. And that's just really unfortunate. That's not easy to deal with. But for me, for example, the noise, uh, we used to live next door of people who had um, a little dog. And I love dogs. I have two dogs and a cat and two horses, or not, do I have a, actually have six horses? But okay. But I, at one point, I thought I want to really was that strangle the dog because he kept barking, and there was this hole into the fence, and he was just there with his head and like that small dog bark. So I thought, no, it was really at one point I had a migraine of three weeks because he was barking an entire day. So there were two options for me when that happened. Or option A, I was shutting it off and focusing my thoughts on something else. Because the more you keep giving this attention, the more present it will be. And that's with all thoughts. It doesn't matter if it's about your senses or about things from the past or about something that hurt you, the more you pay attention to this, the bigger it will become in your life. So it was the same for me. And at that day, I paid a lot of attention. So I, I stuck with it for a while. But I've learned to really redirect my focus. And if it was like sometimes too long for me, you know, because at some point you can get really overstimulated and then you can, you just, have to do something you have to extract yourself from the situation that was my other thing and i just took my dogs for a really long walk and i felt a lot better you know so that's not always possible of course but it's all about your focus and where do you want to put your focus on and that's when it comes to the senses that's all you can do so really. just, yeah, so it sounds like knowing your limitations and knowing that if a certain experience or stimulus becomes too much, you just know that you know what your limit is and you know when to to exercise self-care, 
to remove yourself from the situation, um, just to take that break. I, I know like when I'm working on a studio, because on a studio film set, there's like a hundred people running all over the place. There's a lot, a lot of activities. I just need to get out of the actual studio and just take a walk to just kind of have that space. I sometimes feel claustrophobic if I'm in areas that where there's too many people, too much stimulus. So I just know what my you know, what my limitations are, and I know to exhibit some of that self care. Which yeah, I and I recognize what you're saying because I feel the same thing. When there's a lot of people really surrounding you and it's really loud and busy, I get a little bit claustrophobic as well. But I've learned now that when you really energetically take in your space, mm -hmm. that I become really calm and that they can't. You know, they can give me the feeling like I'm like this because I'm already like that. And because my thoughts are already there, there's no point for them to do that and to start me breathing more uh, on the surface. And because I already focus my attention on breathing deeply and really taking in my space. So in, in that way, that has helped me a lot. So you're saying when you walk into rooms or spaces that have a lot of people you focus on breathing exercises yeah yeah i focus on me because when i focus on the other people or what they're saying or you know your mind can really take you places but when you keep the focus on yourself and the breathing is definitely a good part just breathe in and out through your nose and take it a long slow breath into your stomach in and out just a few times and that already brings your attention back to your body instead of being stuck in that circle in the mind so that's definitely one thing and then grounding you know putting your feet very steady it's so simple it's so easy but those little things mm -hmm. help you get out of your head and into your body and connect with yourself and it's always easier to take a next step from there then, you know, when you're already overwhelmed. Yeah. And so when you were discovering that you were doing these competitions and you were starting to realize that you were, you're, you were self-sabotaging yourself, not being able to perform at the highest level. Was it a, a coach that you worked with that helped you start to uh make that transition to not placing so much focus on the outcome, but more so focus on enjoying the process of it. Like what was it that made that switch where you were like, okay, I'm not nervous anymore. Cause I'm not. So was it not being so focused on winning? Was it just a mindset shift or what was it? It was all those things combined. It was me working with a performance coach. It was me, changing the mindset it was me working on my breathing exercise it was me taking the pressure off it was me finding the joy again and feeling that i am already enough and that's you know you i will keep saying this a million times because that's the, the deeper truth of this all when you feel that you already are enough then all you know all the rest is just pure bliss and we are just so privileged to be able to do that and enjoy life because we already are enough. And that's just, 
the way I'm experiencing life. And even, you know, when I'm riding my horses, that's just different reality, different reality, so much more fun. And the results are a lot better because of it. And that's just, that's just also that little part of perfectionism that we put on ourselves because we want to do everything so good and so perfect that we just, we put that pressure on ourselves. And sometimes it's, it's uh, reinforced by other people doing it as well. But in the first place, it's us doing that because we are so committed. We, we really have this dedication and we really want to do a good job. And, you know, I just noticed that I was really frustrated from being this stressed out. And even when I just started having my own business, I just couldn't give anything. I couldn't delegate because I always thought I had to do everything myself because otherwise it wouldn't be good enough. And that just made that when someone in my team was doing something for me, it wasn't good enough because it just reinforced my belief. They were just this beautiful mirror. So it had nothing to do with them. But now, you know, when something like that would happen in my reality, I know, okay, cool, interesting. This is something that I can work on. And then this will just magically resolve itself. And that's, that's really how it works. So I don't even have to confront people half of the time anymore or not the way I used to. I can just, I can just have open conversations. And that's what is making me a lot stronger as a leader in my team. But also, you know, it's, it's a lot more fun working like that with people. But it took me a while because I was not easy to work with at the beginning. Why is that? Because I was high maintenance. I had such high standards for myself that I was expecting that from everyone else as well. And that's not just my team. That was in my relationships as well. So even in my friendships, you know, I, I always gave so much that I subconsciously expected them to do the same thing for me, but not everyone works that way. And that's fine. I really had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm the owner of a owner of a business and I've got a bunch of employees that I'm managing. I've got 400 emails every day, 300 phone calls, text messages, and all of it. And I would have come to you as you know, you were my coach and I was just like, oh my God, I'm just, I've, I've got to do this right and I, I got to make sure that this is done and I've got to make sure that we get the marketing things out and we got to make sure that all this is taken care of and, you know, just in this sense, high state of, of uh, just like intense energy, what would be the first few things that you would tell me to just be able to alleviate this stress so that you don't end up having a heart attack? Yeah, I would first say stop, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stop and breathe, please. <laughs> because I, I will give you a very good example of, of me from, from uh, like five, six years ago. And um, I was still really in my growth process and I was on my way to ride two horses. I was re revalidating. No, I was helping two horses recover and I was riding them and I had a lot of work to do and I had a really busy day and I was on my way to the horses and I only had an hour 
a little, you know, an hour. And then normally I would need two to ride them. So I was really freaking out because I'm someone I want to do this thorough. You know, this is going to be done well. And there's no other way. No, it's going to be like that and because I planned it like that and I have to do it like that. And oh, at that point, I just, I was getting out of my car and I was getting these really, what's it called, palpitations. My heart was really skipping a beat and I was shaking yeah. from stressing and my whole internal world was freaking out. And I thought, no, this cannot be happening. The sun is shining. You know, this is a beautiful day and I'm privileged to be able to ride these two beautiful lovely stallions. And I just have to, I just have to change something here because this is not working for me. So I just took this one second to stop, breathe, you know, through the nose, deep into the stomach, put my feet steady on the ground and just for a second connect with the earth and with my body, with myself and come to, to the present moment. Because what is happening is that our brain is all the time in the past or in the future. Mm-hmm. And that is why, you know, we make this big mountain out of all those things that we still have to do. Mm-hmm. And that is why that is really frustrating. But when you teach yourself to extract yourself from those thoughts, to just, like I always say, to park them and then to just come in the moment and then you just breathe and you own the space. Because, you know, I had an hour. If I was freaking out or not, I had an hour to ride those two horses. So I thought, you know what? Normally, I think I should take an hour per horse. But for today, if I would just take 30 minutes per horse, would it maybe be fine? Or even if I would just ride one instead of two, which was not an option in my mind. So it was two times 30 minutes. But I ended up, you know, having an amazing time, really enjoying my time, having a canter in the sun, just breathing and relaxing and using that moment and that time as recharging my batteries and my fuel instead of me stressing out about all the things I still had to do. So it's all about being in the moment. And the same way that I would say when you're with people, taking in your space, it's It's the same thing when it comes to time. You can really take in your space in this moment of time. Mm -hmm. And then you will see that it's it's almost like you are stretching time because you are this present. And you get a lot more done because your focus is here and now. You're so aware and you're so conscious Mm -hmm. that you get so much done while we're constantly thinking about this and this and maybe I still have some ironing to do as well then you know you just can't can't be so efficient it's just not possible yeah that's why meditation yoga working out those are my go-tos that whenever I know my limits well like you know I do have a lot of different stuff going on and what I love to do is I just I like to chunk out certain activities. So if I work for straight for a couple hours, I know to, all right, I, I pretty, I'm very self-aware of what my needs are. So I know when I reach my limit of, uh, 
of having done so many emails or phone calls or whatever it is, uh, I definitely take that time to do that self-care and recharge because you can only go so long before you, you know, you, you mentally may think that you can go that far, but it's important to take those like even five, 10, 20 minute little breaks to go get a coffee, go for a walk, yeah. do something that takes your mind out of the intensity of what you're dealing with. And, uh, and then definitely the breathing exercises. If you have the opportunity to do any sort of like meditation classes or courses, highly recommend that. That has been one of the key factors that has helped me be successful in my acting career. Because even just like five minutes before I go on set, I do a little recentering, reconnecting to my heart corner. And always, like you said, being in the present moment, reconnecting to that present moment. And that's what I talk about in the courses that I teach and my personal coaching as well that I do. Because um, that's what we do as actors. In order to succeed on the stage and in front of the camera, you've got to be fully present. You can't be worried about what your next line is, what the other actor is thinking about. And this is the process that I've created over my 20-year acting career. And this is why I think you and I connect on so many different levels because we teach and talk about a lot of the same things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and that's why it's so beautiful that we all have different things that can work for us. Like, for example, for me, if you would tell me to meditate for 30 minutes, you would really not make me happy because that's just not me. Mm. But for me, it used to be like working out or riding my horse or taking a walk in nature, those things. But even if you're at a job and you just take the the steps on the stairs mindfully, that is enough time to decompress, to give your brain a rest because yeah. you are in the moment, you are grounding while you take every step. And that gives your brain a moment to, to relax and to just breathe. And that will just increase your resilience again for after. And then you can, you know, you can be on top of the world. You, there are no limits if you take good care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's really important, yeah. Another question from Krista Kirby asking, what are some strategies you use to help improve your creative productivity? Um, yeah, to create creativity and productivity for me, that is parking also the thoughts. Because the things that are holding me back when I have to create uh, content, for example, and I have to be in the creative writing process, the only thing holding me back from being in touch with my flow and, and pure creativity is when I'm thinking, when I'm overthinking, mm -hmm. when I'm putting pressure, and then you put pressure on yourself. And But when you just connect with the moment, and for me, that's truly getting in touch with okay why do i love to coach this much why do i do what i do why do i want to support these performers mm -hmm. and when i get in touch with that vision at that point you know it, i get in the frequency you know the energetic frequency yeah of what i want to create and it's a lot easier to write from that space 
instead of a space where I'm worrying that my content isn't going to be good enough or that nobody's interested in reading what I'm saying or, you know, all that bullshit that we tell ourselves all day long. So first of all, you know, the self-talk is really important, but then as well, um, yeah, just getting in touch with the vision, with the bigger picture and, and tuning into that frequency because you can really overcome the resistance. I, I had this client, Lauren, and she she really blocked herself when she had to write content, for example. Mm -hmm. And she really blocked herself and she couldn't get anything created. But then because she worked through the resistance and got more and more in line with her vision and with the bigger picture and the fun she felt when she was creating the things she wanted to create with her personal vision, you know, then just she felt her power grow from within mm -hmm. and the inspiration just started flowing and flowing. And we actually discovered that she was even a bigger natural talent than she even thought that was possible. So that's just so beautiful when you can let go of all those limiting beliefs that you have about yourself or about the world. And I know that's like easy said, because when someone used to say to me in the past, you know, just let go of it. Don't, don't make it so personal. Uh, I would think, uh, <laughs> you know, if I knew how to do that, I would have done it yesterday, but there is tools. You can really train yourself to be present, be in the moment and to bark those thoughts that are not serving you. It's really important that you are super aware of the record that is playing in your mind mm -hmm. and that you choose and you decide which tunes are allowed and yep. which tunes are barked out because that's what will that's what will trigger the rest of it you know that's what will trigger your emotions that what's will trigger your actions so that's just part of the bigger game but it all starts there yeah yeah it's literally metaphorically choosing the record that you want to play on your record player. And you you said something that is something that is exactly what has helped me in my big auditions, where with auditioning, you go in to meet with the casting director for if they like you, they bring you back to read that for the producers. And then they'll bring you back to read for then the producers and the director. And then they, you know, you just keep going further along in this process to the point where after you're like fifth or sixth audition, you're now in a big auditorium at Warner Brothers or CBS Studios or Sony. And there's usually like two or three other guys that you're auditioning against for this, for this part. And it is incredibly nerve wracking. It is one of the most like stress inducing experiences. And I would just remind myself, instead of focusing on the stress and the anxiety, because it was just so palpable, you could literally cut the stress and the tension with a knife. As the casting director would come into the room and say, like, you know, Mike, you are, you know, you're, you're up now, Colin, you're on deck. And so while Mike is in the room auditioning, there's so many different thoughts going in your head and thinking about the future, thinking about how is this going to go? If I get this job, this means that I'm going to be, you know, potentially on a show for seven years and all that stuff that is, is associated with 
you know, being on a hit TV show. And as soon as the other actor comes out and the casting assistant says, okay, call him, you're up. I've been in this situation several times. I always recheck back in with myself and I say, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why did I come all the way up to Hollywood? Was it to come here and just put myself in this stressful situation? No. It was I came out here to pursue my dream of being a professional actor, which I love to do. So I would remind myself, time to have fun. I came out here to do something that I love to do, that I chose to do, that I love doing because I have fun with it. So now's the time to go in that room, have fun. And that has served me time and time again. And it really, really is putting on that open player of fun and enjoyment and reconnecting to what your why is. Um, so you hit it the nail right on the head when you, uh, when you said that. So thank you for that. Well, that's really beautifully explained the, the same thing, but with a really beautiful example. So I think that's super valuable as well, yeah. Yeah, just reshifting, reconnecting back to what your why is in that certain situation. And like if you're in a, in a relationship, not necessarily, if it's not going so well, it's so easy to nitpick the other person. Well, like, well, they don't do this and they say this and they, they burp or they don't take that out the crash or whatever it is. We can so focus on the little, the nitpicky things. But if we refocus on why you're in the to begin with and have a conversation of, what is the bigger picture here in this relationship? Why do we want to be together? What's the purpose of this? And if you can reconnect to that, we're here to create an amazing relationship, to support each other. It's, are we in this relationship to fight? Like, it's, it's pretty easy when you start to look at things of, from the bigger picture of why. So definitely think that that is, uh, is something very relevant to anything you, uh, you find yourself in. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to say that if, um, you know, if, if you guys feel like this is the support that you are looking for to take this on a higher level, because we're not talking book stuff or course stuff here, we're talking like the big leagues. You know, I always say that this mindset work that we do, it's really like, it's like playing the big leagues. And then uh, in this link, you can find a page where you can see what it means to work with me, for example. Um, and I've, I, I don't have a lot of time, but I have put some limited spots available in my calendar uh, for this and next week. If you want to hop on a call to see if we would be a match to work together. If, but just be serious about it. You know, if you are a professional performer, if you really relate with this, if you are ready to invest in yourself and... I mean, just really do the work as well, because I, I'm honest about this. I do not have a golden pill. It is about doing the work. You can send me an email. But I would definitely say um, check out the website where you can see a little bit about what I do and where you can book that call if you feel like you want to bring it, really step it up and bring it to the next level to really thrive in your life and that means business-wise and personally, because life isn't about ifs or or ors. It's about and. 
you know, for me, it's all about and, and. I don't know if you can say that in English, but yeah. in Dutch we say it, it's and, and, you know, I want it all. <laughs> and I think that that should be just the way that li life is meant for you to have fun and for you to be happy. Mm -hmm. And if that's not the case in all the aspects of your life, then, you know, we can do something about it because that's why you are here. There's no other reason for mm -hmm. you to have fun and step into your greatness and just play with that. And that's why I love what I do so much. And I'm so happy, Colin, that you invited me for this lovely talk because honestly, the reactions are really, really amazing. I'm, I'm really, really happy to be here. Yeah, so anyone who's interested in getting more information on working with Kathy or how she works, they can contact me through Instagram and uh, at your website, which Miriam has put up on the screen here. So feel free to reach out to Kathy. Um, Kathy has helped me in several situations with some of the things that I'm working through right now. So I can attest that you are amazing at what you do. And I'm uh, excited to have you speak at our summit on May 23rd. So can you give us a little uh, a little taste of what you're planning on chatting about uh, during your time on stage at the summit? Yeah, at the summit, we'll be taking a, this the first dive into what it takes for you to step into that greatness and to really claim your shine and own it. You know, that will be like the first taste. Today was the first little taste, but there we'll, we'll just, you know, take it to the next level and you'll you'll get to see a lot more of where this came from today. So if you thought this was interesting, then I would definitely check the summit out. Awesome. So Kathy, can, uh, can I ask you a couple of questions about some of your favorite movies? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. So did you watch the Oscars by chance? I know they were probably late in uh, airing late when you were probably asleep. But yeah. did you watch last night? No, I'm I'm thrilled to watch a replay, but I didn't see it yet. What did I miss? <laughs> uh, um, some really great Oscar speeches. I love watching the Oscars if for nothing but the Oscar speeches, uh, just to hear about you know people pursuing their dreams and what it took to get to where they're at. Um, but this last part of our show is brought to you by Picticular, and Picticular is the movie curating app. That helps you find movies to watch by your favorite actors. And uh, so Kathy, if I could ask you a couple of questions, uh, a few questions about what your favorite movies are. First question is, what is your favorite movie of all time? Oh my God, I really suck at those things. I'm not the person who has like one favorite uh, this or that, because like I said, I'm an and, but you know, if I'm thinking about the feeling and the emotion, and because it's my favorite song all time, then I would say Dirty Dancing. Oh my God, this is yeah, such a cliche. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just the music. I really love that music that just gets yeah. me. Are you a good dancer? Am I what? Are you a good dancer? Oh, when I drink? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Um, do you have a favorite comedy? A favorite comedy? As a kid, Sister Act 2. 
Sister Act Two was one of my and the Three Musketeers. Those okay. were my two favorites when I was a kid. Yeah, I really loved those. Okay, interesting. And Three Musketeers, who was that with? Was that with Martin Short, uh, Steve Martin? No, not with Steve Martin. Oh, Three Musketeers. Oh, that was the Three Amigos. That's who that was. Oh no, that's a whole different movie. <laughs> Steve Martin is, is not my favorite actor. Oh. There's just there's like a few actors, but that doesn't mean as a person. That just means that I'm not into those those kind of movies. Yeah, so, but I'm more into science fiction. If I have to be honest with you. Okay. All right. Do you have a uh, a favorite movie that? Uh, so you said when you were growing up, your favorite movie was Three Musketeers. Do you have a favorite movie that you are embarrassed to see that you love? Oh, I'm sure there's a few of those. Um, For me, it's, I would say, Dirty Dancing or The Notebook. Those are probably yeah. movies that, um, you know, you wouldn't yeah. be forthcoming that they're your favorite movies. But I do have a guilty pleasure, but it's not a movie, but it's Keeping Up with the Kardashians. That's <laughs> 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 my guilty pleasure. Yeah. Not movie, but yeah. Good. It's all good. And do you have a favorite actor? A favorite actor? Yeah. I definitely don't, but I do know, for example, if an actor like Will Smith or Leonardo DiCaprio is in a movie that I'm inclined to watch, because even though that's not science fiction, I know that they mm. only choose great movies to work in. And that is something that means something to me. So, yeah, I'm, uh, that's, you know, that's because they stayed loyal to what they wanted for themselves. And you can really see that in their work. And that really resonates with me. So if they make a movie, I'm, I'm inclined to watch it just because they do great work. Yeah. 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 And you have a, a favorite actor? Actress. Oh, that's a good question. I suck at this. A favorite actress. Yeah, for sure I do. But who would that be? Meryl Streep, maybe. Would it be Rachel McAdams? Would it be? I like Rachel McAdams. But you know what? I, I really like Natalie Portman. Oh, great actress. I really like Natalie Portman. And and what's the other Star Wars girl? I mean, she also played Domino, which was a really cool movie as well, but really crazy. Um, oh, no. How can I forget? Oh, yeah, Akira, Akira Knightley. Oh, Knightley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, like, really like those two. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Uh, Hardest <laughs> questions of the evening. Particular pick six. Awesome. Um, and finally, last question, Kathy. Uh, and I just want to say thank you for being here. I appreciate your time. I know a lot of people here are, uh, appreciate your insight and knowledge on all this stuff. Um, what is what is something that inspires you? Well, this is going to sign, sound like a cliche, but it is honestly, honest to God, it's the truth. It's It's working with people like you. Because 
I was saying this to Miriam before we started on the call and you weren't there yet. We were talking behind your back. <laughs> but I was saying that this really brings me so much joy to work with you, for example, because you are really on the same page and you are so open as a person that mm -hmm. even when things get confrontational, you don't get you don't get that out of your way. You will really pick that up and do something with it and get to work. And you are very aware and very conscious on a high energetic level, which is something that I, I really love because then you can have these conversations on such a high level. And that's where all the depth in life is, according to me. So even if it's with you or even if it's with my mom, for example, or with my brother, those are uh, two people as well who, that I can have those talks with on that level. I just really love going in depth about even spirituality or things energy or things creative and how you can attract the life you want. And that's just some that's just the things that really resonate with me and that's honestly why i love working with you as well well i appreciate you too and, uh, <laughs> you've definitely helped me create some healthy boundaries with regard to uh just implementing more self-care with dealing with being high sensitive and uh thank you enough Kathy. and i'm looking forward to being at the summit on may 23rd and uh can't wait to hear what you have to say up on the big stage. Me too. Thanks <laughs> for being here, Kathy. Have a great evening. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Thanks again for being here for another episode. Thanks for our European friends who were able to join us finally for our first European edition of Coffee with Colin. And uh, again, if you haven't signed up for the Inspire Summit May 23rd, you can uh, check out my Instagram bio. There's a link there that you can click on and awesome, awesome stuff. A lot of different, a uh, uh, lot of different things, a lot of uh, stuff that, a lot of value, a lot of inspiration. There's going to be so much great things that uh, you're going to get out of this, this one day event. And uh, on the website that we put together has all the different things that you can check out. Um, and I uh, just want to say, yeah, man, have a great rest of your Monday. This is awesome. What a great way to start out our week. And I just want to, uh, again, thank Kathy and thank Particular for sponsoring the show. I will see you guys next Monday. Um, next Monday, I've got uh, one of my friends from All My Children, Mr. Cameron Matheson. So it's going to be a show we're going to have a lot of great things to talk about, some fun memories, discussing what it was like working together on the show. And uh, that's it for now. Have a great rest of your week, and I will see you guys all very, very soon. Take care.